Welcome to the UM's Connected Podcast, a resource offering spiritual formation in the Wesleyan tradition through a metaverse community. I'm your host, Steve Harper. Well, I've really been looking forward to being with you today because we're moving into a second series of episodes entitled Believing. Now, if you've listened to the previous five episodes, you know they were all entitled Connected. And that's where we wanted to begin with the UM's Connected podcast. We wanted to show that one of the ways the Wesleys referred to Methodism in the beginning was the connection. And that they wanted people through the Methodist movement to become connected in faith and good works. And we then went on to show that that's one of the main reasons why we decided to call the movement today UM's Connected. Early Methodism was not a denomination. It was not an institutional church in the way we think of it today. And neither is UM's Connected. We're a movement. And so we come together as connected persons who want to be faithful to our heritage and apply it to life today. So we started with connected and we looked at the historic and contemporary dimensions of that word. Along the way, we we showed that connected was really a way of saying belonging and that belonging is where spiritual formation in the Wesleyan tradition begins in terms of community. And that there is a formative flow in the Methodist movement. Belonging, believing, and behaving. And so here we are today in the first of five episodes on believing. Now we'll be moving on uh, in September to look at behaving. And when we finish that series, we'll have a kind of solid unit to help us understand how Methodism began, how it has continued uh, in the century since, how it's expressed in contemporary United Methodism today, and how we want to be a movement, as UM's connected, to help facilitate and enrich that advance. So here we are with believing. Now, there's another interesting dynamic about this, in that this series begins in a time when misinformation about United Methodist beliefs is being disseminated. Uh, False rumors are being spread about what United Methodists believe, often allegations of what we don't believe. Now, that's not the reason for this series, because it was going to happen regardless, but we just happen to be at a time when a series on believing is especially important. So we ask the question, How do we tell the world what it is that we believe as United Methodists? And the answer to that question comes from part three of our book of discipline, the doctrinal standards and our theological task. When we step back, join hands and declare as a denomination, this we believe, we go to part three of the Book of Discipline. 
And that's what some people are not doing when they make allegations about United Methodist theology that uh, simply are not true. Uh, So even though this is a moving on in a natural way, uh, it's also a way to set the record straight and give you an opportunity to see for yourself what we believe as United Methodists and what we believe as a movement called UM's Connected uh, in this particular time. Now, I want to say this. Uh, again, I've written about it previously. I hope you'll, you'll get a copy of the Book of Discipline. You can get a free online version of it from Cokesbury. And on our Facebook page, uh, there's a link. You can get it in a matter of seconds. And you'll get so much more out of this five-part series if you have the text of the Book of Discipline uh, to follow as we work through part three uh, of the Book of Discipline. I'm going to be saying a lot. Uh, In fact, you may feel like we're drinking from a fire hose. But the book of discipline itself says much, much more. Uh, And it will be to your advantage uh, if you have a copy of the book of discipline uh, to work with, to underline, to mark up, to write notes in the margins and all the kinds of things you'll want to do um, that you're not able to do by just listening. So let's turn to part three of the book of discipline and begin to work with our doctrinal standards and theological tasks. Paragraph 102 begins this way. United Methodists profess the historic Christian faith in God, incarnate in Jesus Christ for our salvation, and ever at work in the human history of the Holy Spirit. The very first sentence of our book of discipline declares that we are a Trinitarian church, just as all Christians affirm the Trinity. God, Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit language in the very first sentence. Then it goes on. Living in a covenant of grace under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we participate in the first fruits of God's coming reign and pray in hope for its full realization on earth as in heaven. There's a ton of stuff in that second sentence too. But it's, it's this idea of being a covenant community uh, superintended by none other than the risen Christ and that in that life together we experience the fruit of the Spirit, the coming of God's reign and work as the people call Methodists, to advance the kingdom of God on the earth until Jesus comes again. So that's where we operate. That's where we begin. This uh, faith that we declare, what we believe, is rooted in historic Christian faith. Let no one tell you otherwise. Uh, Think in no other way yourself. Now, Paragraph 102 then breaks down into two sections. The first is a section entitled, Our Common Heritage as Christians. So we'll continue there. One of the things that uh, we discover in the Book of Discipline is that before we begin to talk about the distinctives of the Wesleyan tradition, we declare what we hold in common with all Christians. Now, this is no accident. In fact, it's a reflection of the Wesleys as they began the early Methodist movement. 
John Wesley produced some foundational documents. We'll be looking at some of them in future episodes of, on this podcast. One was called The Character of a Methodist because uh, as the founder of a third order movement, which we talked about in the last series on Connected, Wesley understood that, that a movement needed to have a constitution and the character of a Methodist for all practical purposes is our constitution. And what he says in that document at the beginning and at the end is that Methodists do not understand themselves apart from any other Christian. Now that's significant. It was in the 18th century for the Wesleys. It's important for United Methodism today. And it's the same view we have in UM's Connected. We're focused on the Wesleyan tradition, but not limited to the Wesleyan tradition. You can be part of UM's Connected, whether you're United Methodist or not, just as you could be a Methodist in the 18th century and be a member of any other existing denomination. So, common heritage with all Christians. We sound the ecumenical note because it is the note that the Wesleys themselves wanted to sound. Now, where do we get that? Well, if you follow the book of discipline, uh, as we are in the text, in the beginning of paragraph 102, it begins in the apostolic witness of Christian scripture. What the first disciples said about Christ and about their faith in him. It starts in Scripture. And then, of course, by the end of 100 or so A.D., uh, when the last bit of Scripture was probably written, even though it wasn't compiled until much later, but you, mean, you, you then begin to move into Christian history and you encounter the classic creeds of the Christian faith. And the Wesleys wanted the people called Methodists to be rooted in Scripture and reflected in those creeds. And so the Book of Discipline points to that because all Christians are rooted in Scripture and creed. And then from that, the Book of Discipline talks about some basic Christian affirmations. Now, it mentions five. Uh, there are more than five, but these are the five that show up in the Book of Discipline as being uh, our institutional denominational declaration of common faith. Um, first, the Book of Discipline says, We hold in common with all Christians a faith in the mystery of salvation in and through Jesus Christ. And then it says, At the heart of the gospel of salvation is God's incarnation in Jesus of Nazareth. Christology is at the core of what we believe. Christology is at the core of what we believe, the incarnation of God in Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It says more about that. You can read it in the text. The second thing that uh, the Book of Discipline says is we share the Christian belief that God's redemptive love is realized in human life by the activity of the Holy Spirit, both in personal experience and in the community of believers. Now, those first two common affirmations are, again, a restatement of our belief in the Holy Trinity. But we come in that second common affirmation 
to talk about pneumatology. We talk about the person and work of the Holy Spirit, and we mention it in the Book of Discipline in two particular ways. First, in personal experience. We sing, don't we? You ask me how I know He lives. He lives within my heart. And all of us are probably familiar with Wesley's statement in his experience on May 24th, 1738, in the group on Aldersgate Street, when he said, I felt my heart strangely warmed. Personal experience is one of the common affirmations we hold with all Christians. We, we, we live in the heart and we live from the heart. Um, when Wesley emphasized experience, and we now call it the fourth part of the Wesleyan quadrilateral, he was not bringing experience to the Anglican trilateral. My Episcopalian friends have made that clear to me with a smile on their face. Experience was in the Anglican trilateral in reason because uh, people in that day could not understand a reasonable faith that didn't influence one's life, see. But Wesley saw a dead orthodoxy in his day. And so he believed that it was important not to keep experience hidden in that third part of reason, but to bring it out, to highlight it, to make it in bold type, so that we could say that scripture, tradition, and reason all then come to bear on the way that we live, which he called practical divinity, faith working by love. But then the Book of Discipline rightly says, in the community of believers. Absolutely. One of the things that that the Wesleys stood strongly against was what they called holy solitaries. People who professed to be Christian, but were not, not engaged meaningfully in the body of Christ or in a movement that would that, 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 that would honor and bear witness to Christ. So you've got here in the book of discipline a reference to the Holy Spirit at work in our lives personally and then in the community of believers. The third basic affirmation is we understand ourselves to be part of Christ's universal church when by adoration, proclamation, and service we become conformed to Christ. There's the ecclesiology, the formative ecclesiology. Uh, this is participation that transforms us. This is participation that makes us different people. And then fourthly, with other Christians, we recognize that the reign of God is both a present and a future reality. That's what we pray, isn't it? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we understand as Christians that some of that has come to pass, but not all of it. And so we exist in that time between the times, the already and the not yet, when our calling as Christians in our day is to help advance the kingdom, to take the light of the kingdom and make it shine brighter and more extensively than ever before. And that brings us to the fifth common affirmation. We share with many Christian communities a recognition of the authority of Scripture in matters of faith, the confession that our justification as sinners is by grace through faith and the sober realization that the church is in need of continual reformation and renewal. The Wesleys believed that. 
United Methodism believes that, and we affirm that in UM's Connected. Now, the second part of paragraph 102 then turns to our distinctive heritage as United Methodists. The things that, that we've taken from that common core of Christianity and made it our own in some particular ways. And the Book of Discipline very rightly begins with the theology of grace. Faith working by love. The Christian faith working by love. Grace lived through the person and work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Grace responded to through our engagement with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, the Book of Discipline then turns to show those emphases. First, provenient grace. There's a section about that. Then there's a section on justifying grace and one on sanctifying grace. So what you get in paragraph 102 in the distinctive heritage is that formative flow that we talked about previously in the first five sessions of awakening, attachment, and advancement. Prevenient grace that awakens us to God, justifying or converting grace that attaches us to God and giving us the assurance of our faith, and then sanctifying grace where we advance in the love of God and love of neighbor and, as Wesley put it, goes on to perfection. And what you get from that, the outcome of prevenient, converting, and sanctifying grace, is what the Book of Discipline then speaks of as faith and good works. Faith and good works, see. Not faith without works or works without faith, but the combination, the congruence, the convergence of the two, the inhaling and the exhaling of spiritual breathing, which then the Book of Discipline says comes out through our mission and our service. And then talking about the nature and the mission of the church, the nurturing and serving function of Christian fellowship where we bring people into our faith and grow them as disciples of Jesus Christ. Well, we've said a lot and we've only scratched the surface on what paragraph 102 talks about. It goes on to talk further about doctrine and discipline in the Christian life. It talks about general rules and social principles to show how we take this, this core of theology and we, through the process of making denominational resolutions, we make spe specific statements of application of our theology to matters that we're facing in the world today. We believe these things. We believe in the common heritage of all Christians. We believe in distinctive United Methodist emphases. We have a faith to declare. We have a faith to share. And I hope you'll find through paragraph 102 of part three of the Book of Discipline what the essence of that faith is. And that, as has always been true of Methodism at its best, you'll find your heart strangely warmed. You'll find your life together with other people who affirm these doctrines and beliefs of Christianity and of Wesleyan 
tradition itself. Well, I hope this session's been helpful to you. We've covered a lot. And you can go back and read through paragraph 102 in the Book of Discipline and find out even more than we've been able to say. If you think there are folks who would benefit from listening to this and beginning to fall in love again with our beliefs, tell them about this podcast and invite them to listen. We'll be back next week. We'll be picking up here in part three of the Book of Discipline with paragraph 103 and 104 as we say to the world, This we believe.